Hi, this is Tom Brevoort, and you are listening to the Captain America Comic Fans Podcast. Greetings, Cap fans, and welcome to episode 148 of the Captain America Comic Book Fans Podcast. I'm Rick Verbonis. I am your host, and... I got a guy by the name of Bob Lucius. He's the best gosh darn co-host out there. Oh, Bob. Jamming good with Weird and Gilly and the Spiders from Mars. He played it left hand, but made it too far. Became the special man. But then we were Ziggy's band. Ziggy really sang. Screwed up eyes and screwed down hairdo. Like some cat from Japan. He could lick them by smiling. He could leave them to hang. I don't know. I don't know, Rick. I, the only thing I could think is you've been into Grandpa's hooch. <laughs> That's David Bowie. Is it? Ziggy Stardust? Ziggy Stardust. All right. Okay. You don't know that song? I, I I can't tell you. I don't think I've listened to a lot of David Bowie. Maybe a little, you know, later stuff like China Girl. But uh, uh-huh. you know, but no, I I'm not that familiar with his earlier stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Ziggy Ziggy Stardust was a was a big deal. The uh, the album was Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars. Huh. Uh, came out in 1972. Um, and uh, Bob, why why is that my greeting to you today? Could it be Rick? Because we are once again examining dimension z no we are yes we are today we are covering captain america volume seven number seven which is escape from dimension z part seven of a 10-part story we have been covering this the basically the second wednesday of every month for the last half a year um and so this is part seven we got four parts to go and it has been getting so good. Really has really has. Um, yeah. I, I am like appreciating this more and more and more. It's turning out to be one of my, one of my favorite stories. Really? And why yeah. is that? It, it's just got a lot of depth to it. I mean, it's got a lot of action of course. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's just, there's a lot of psychology going on here. I mean, there's a lot of, uh, you know, morality and ethics and values, right? Yes. It's, it's the generational uh, themes that go from Steve's father to Steve and Steve to Ian and Zola to Leopold mm-hmm. slash Ian, right? And and Zola and Jet. And I mm-hmm. mean, there's a lot lot here to, to chew on. Yeah. Um, yeah. That it's just far, far deeper than just the surface stuff. I agree a hundred percent. I do love that as well. And, and certainly in addition to all that, in some of the earlier issues, we got to see flashbacks to when Steve was a child and some of the things that he did with his mom and some, some, I guess, crossroads that he faced, uh, whether to, to do a wrong thing for the right reason. Um, and, and, Anyway, yeah, it's it's been a deep story, uh, but the action's been good too, and yeah. Um, yeah, so can't wait to to get into that. Uh, but before we do, Bob, I um, uh, I wanted to give a update on that Taco Bell Captain America one giveaway that we had done, and and uh, we had uh, announced that the winner was Brent Beisel. And so I reached out to Brent to uh, to let him know about it. And oddly enough, um, well, it's kind of funny. He wrote back and he said, thanks for reaching out. It's cool that I got picked to win the Taco Bell limited collector's edition, as Bob likes to remind you. No, no. Exclusive. Oh, is that it? Well, all right. It's not limited. I mean, limited, I could get it. But like, this is exclusive. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, you just corrected our listener. Um, he said, that said, if it's okay with you, I'd like to pay this forward to somebody else. Before learning I was qualified for the contest, I was inspired by the podcast to seek out my own copy of this book. Fortunately, I was able to get one on eBay for a steal. Since I now have one and the current eBay prices are way above what I paid, I feel like I should pass this on to someone else who would appreciate having the issue. 
After hearing you guys talk about the values displayed on your challenge coin, I think it's what Cap would do. Wow, that's that's great. But there's two takeaways here, Rick. What's that, Bob? One is uh, Brent is an is a great guy. Yeah, because he does what Cap would do. Exactly. And the other is, I have a sneaking suspicion that we are moving the speculation market. <laughs> yeah, I do too. Right? <laughs> <laughs> prices are prices are going up ever since we did the uh, the podcast. That's what I'm seeing. I, you know, I'm seeing that. I wouldn't be surprised if that that comic showed up on uh, cover top ten. You know, cover prices top ten comics this week. You know, yeah. for you know well, for speculators. So. Yeah, wow. and not to mention we uh we had Scott Koblish on the show, right? right. He was the artist yeah. and and so that kind of I think uh sparked a little extra interest. Yeah. yeah. So I would suggest uh those of you that are listening to pay extra close attention to what we're covering could be your <laughs> ticket to an early retirement. You know, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, if you had oh, I don't know, 10 copies of this Taco Bell exclusive number oh, yeah. 1, you probably could you could buy prob- dinner, buy probably one of those giant packs of adult diapers. But, for yourself. Bob, what, why in the world would you even come up with that? I am planning ahead for my retirement, Rick. I know how much those things cost. I've no. checked. <laughs> how soon do you need them, Bob? <laughs> you never can be too careful, Rick. Especially if you just had Taco Bell. Especially if you just had Taco <laughs> Bell. Yeah. Take a run for the bathroom. <laughs> All right. <laughs> So that means, thanks to to Brent Beisel, uh, we are going to have to pick somebody else, Bob, uh, to 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 hand this out to. So, uh, all right, pick uh, left hand or right hand. Your left or my right? That doesn't. Just kidding. Left hand, Rick. Left hand. All right. All right. So we are going to give this comic out to D Dog One Twenty Three. Oh, I was hoping it was going to be D-Dog 123. D-Dog 123. Uh, yeah, he gave us a five-star review mm-hmm. titled, They Could Do This All Day. So uh, D-Dog, send me an email at capcomicfans at gmail.com and uh, reach out to me and we'll get your address and we'll get this out to you, courtesy right. of Brent. All right. All right, Bob. So I think it's time to get to the comic. What do you think? Let's do it. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. You want to hear the solicitation? I sure do. All right. It's uh, it's really lengthy. Are you ready? Okay. I'll sit down. Zola's master plan revealed. Ian's fate decided. Captain Zola's quest for lies and injustice. That's it. <laughs> anticlimactic a little bit i know right yeah yeah Hmm. yeah but anyway let's let's see what happens to ian's fate and zola's master plan yeah maybe they'll make it up for us in this issue i think they will uh so the creators for this were uh the same as we've been having uh writer rick remender penciler john remetta jr uh, inked by Scott Hanna and Klaus Johnson. So we have two different inkers on this book. Colorist Dean White, letterer Joe Caramanga, and editor Tom Brevoort. Now, I feel like I, I feel like I gotta I gotta apologize to Joe Caramanga. Okay. So if you recall when we did the Taco Bell comic, we did, yes. Jo- Joe Caramanga was the the writer right and and the letterer and he had been a letterer for for some time yeah and we and then of course scott koblish was the was the penciler and so um (laughs) i had put out that we had just covered this uh the comic and i put it on twitter and i tagged um, Scott Koblish and I tagged Joe Caramanga. Uh-huh. 
So, uh, and Joe replied in the tweet, he said, thanks for the fun walk down memory lane, but I'll have you good sirs know that I was not thrown a bone. I was cutting my teeth. Oh, no. <laughs> I went on to write many comics and graphic novels over the years and to this day. And Scott is probably still my favorite artist to work with. So I I think, <laughs> I don't know. Did I say that, oh, they must have gotten the letter and throw him, throw him a bone and let him write a story? Like, I don't know. That sounds, that rings familiar. So I, I, I meant no offense. I know you didn't. I know you, you, didn't. you know yeah. me. I, yeah. I don't, I'm not I just, that way. I think it's just I, nothing that we have ever reviewed or probably read. Joe has written. And so, you know, it was a surprise to us. Right. Cause, and it was his first yeah. story he wrote. Right. Um, so anyway, um, <laughs> I, I, I did, I did apologize to him and, and, uh, it, it basically, you know, said, we'd love to have you on the show. So, uh, he said, um, uh, you know, that at some point he, he, he will come on the show, hmm. um, which would be cool because, uh, I thought you were going to say that like we would, he, he wanted us to send him questions and he would letter us answers. <laughs> um anyway so we hope to have joe on the show because uh yes he has been a writer but but we also we see his name quite often as a letterer and we've yeah. never had a letterer on the show we we've had editors writers pencilers inkers colorists uh but mm. never a letterer and uh he you know he has done a ton yeah. of comics over over his career uh and i'm sure he has a ton of cool stories to share with us so um you know hopefully we'll get him on the show one of these days yeah i mean his name has probably been in more comics than just about anybody i mean it's up there it is right i mean yeah it's just as prolific as his work is yeah 100 percent. So. yeah so it'd be great to have him on the show yeah all right so that's the the team the creative team um the cover uh, is done by John Romita Jr. And do you want to take the listeners through what the cover looks like? Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's a great cover. It's uh, really gives you the willies and uh, it gives you some expectations about what you're going to to see in this book. But oh, uh, hold on, hold on. You just, you just, you said it gives me the willies. Yeah. All right. So when I was preparing for tonight's oh, episode, this isn't a tangent. This is a legitimate. No, this is a tangent. Okay. <laughs> she <laughs> so, forgot to warn everybody. That's all. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, when, when I was preparing for tonight, I was like, all right, I got to come up with something with the letter Z. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, what what TV shows start with Z? What movies start with Z? And you know what movie popped up to me that started with the letter Z? And then I was like, oh, yeah. What? <laughs> Zapped. <laughs> Scott Bayo and, and Willie Ames and Willie Ames, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that uh, that movie came out in 1982. I'm pretty sure it was rated R. Mm -hmm. Um, and oh my god, the the like if you just pull up a zapped movie poster, it's it's the two of them uh using their powers to lift up a girl's skirt who's yeah, bent over right i mean completely <laughs> sexist right i mean like yeah that would never fly in today's time i know the movies in the 80s had so much you know tomfoolery and gratuitous uh -huh. nudity like you would never you know oh yeah so yeah. the guy scott bayo gets these powers during a, a lab accident so of yeah. course he's a teenager what does he do course, he uses yeah. it to lift up girls skirts and yeah. open up their blouses and the exact same thing any of us would have done uh, hell yeah <laughs> right of course <laughs> and know? i wouldn't have had to been a teenager to do it <laughs> <laughs> anyways but i i was looking i read like all the quotes online from the movie zapped uh -huh. there was nothing i could use oh yeah yeah no well, well, here's a little uh, fun fact, you know, as long as we're doing tangents, I'm looking up the etymology, the, the root of that word, the meaning, the origins of the word, the willies. Apparently, it has been in use since 1896, Rick, and it stems perhaps from the woolies, a term for nervous uneasiness, probably in reference to the physical itchiness of wool garments. Oh, yeah. So, nothing to do with woolly mammoths? Nothing. So apparently, this cover gives me the woolies. Ah, 
yeah. you know, uh, Gary Goldman, he's a funny comedian. Uh, really like him. I've, I've seen him live a couple of times. What and, you talking about Willis? No, Gary Goldman, <laughs> not I, Coleman. I, I know. I know. Not Coleman. <laughs> I saw the shot and I took it now. <laughs> I don't blame you. Um, and he, he was talking about woolly mammoths and he was like, do you really have to call them woolly? I mean, what other mammoths out there were there back then? <laughs> like, were there so many different, What you know, oh, that's the, that's the uh, cotton. That's the that's cotton right. mammoth. The silky mammoth. Yeah, the silky mammoth. Uh, there's the, uh, the corduroy mammoth. He's, uh, but, yeah. but those, th- those were, those were killed off pretty quickly because you could always hear them coming. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one. Yeah. That's a good one. Um, so speaking of entomology, uh, yeah. Bob, what do you think is the entomology for the word entomology? No, that's a good, that's a good question. I don't know. I'm going to put that in my notebook of on my checklist of things to look into that I won't look into. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't know. I just, you know, yeah. Good. Things I think about. Yes. All right. So anyway, back to the cover, Rick. Oh uh, yeah. Fabulous cover. Uh, very exciting. Uh, we've got three characters. We've got cap and we've got young Ian, who's still a very young lad, you know, around what, 10 years of age, 11 years of age. Right. Maybe 12. Yeah. Maybe 12. I don't know. He, he ages faster. Right. And so, uh, and, and then we've got in the background, um, someone we we've seen before, but only very briefly. And this is captain Zolandia. Yeah. So this is a mutate that has been created from Steve's DNA. Mm-hmm. And so in the foreground, we have cap and he is crouched over, uh, and it's, a little unsure what he's doing here, but it looks almost like he's very unsteady, right? He's weak. He's bleeding from underneath his uh, his mask. Mm-hmm. Uh, his uniform's torn up. You could tell he's he's haggard, mm-hmm. and he's uh, he's bracing himself with his left hand on the ground as he's crouched over, and facing him is is young Ian, and Ian has a weapon in his hands, and he's pointing it at Steve. What and, at yeah, his dad? At his dad, and he and it doesn't look like a Nerf gun, Rick. Uh-huh. And he's got a very uh, angry look on his face. And then, of course, behind Ian, we see Captain Zolandia. And he's a gigantic beast of a, of a thing. And he is looming over the both of them. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, he's all uh, this grayscale uh, coloring with a Z on his forehead and very, mm-hmm. very sharp pointed teeth. And he's got two shields, one strapped to each fist. And they've got jagged edges on them. So he is coming, you know, hunting for bear and he's coming after Steve, uh, assuming Ian doesn't shoot him first. Yeah. And in the, the buzz saws that he has on his wrists, right. They're, they're, they're large, but it kind of reminds you of the gladiator, you know, the yeah. villain, the gladiator. He right? had those, yeah. those buzz saws on his, except these are a lot larger Yeah, and certainly more intimidating. All right, so let's get to the inside of the comic. Um, and we have a, it starts off with a previously, and as you have done previously, do you want to read this for the listeners? Sure, I, I'd love to. Thank you for the privilege. Previously, villainous geneticist Arnim Zola lured Captain America to Dimension Z in order to unlock the secrets of the super soldier serum within Cap's DNA. Cap escaped Zola's fortress, absconding with an infant he named Ian. For a dozen years, Cap wandered the desolation of Dimension Z, raising Ian as his own child. Eventually, they were taken in by the Frocks, natives of Dimension Z, who oppose Zola's cruel reign. After a bloody battle between the Frocks and the monstrous mutates under the command of Zola's daughter, Jet Black, Zola was able to reclaim Ian leaving Captain America for dead. Vowing to get his son back, Cap battled his way back into Zola's compound, where he confronted Jet Black. In the meantime, Zola attempted to bring Ian back into his family fold through brainwashing. Nice. Yeah, good stuff. Good cliffhanger. Each one of these has been a cliffhanger. Yeah, really get you. I mean, I can't wait till next month. Exactly. All right. So let's open it up to the first page of art. And it says two years ago. And we see uh, it looks like, a, you know, a suns are setting. 
and it is dusk and in the the village of the frocks they're 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 near uh, a river and they are gathering looks like uh harvesting their crops and sitting off to, by themselves just the two of them is steve and ian and steve has his uniform on and his shield on his back and he's got his shaggy blonde hair and his beard and his damaged uh you know uniform that has been held together with some bandages and then ian's there and he's got long brown hair um and he's they're both sitting there like looks like they're enjoying a, a dinner and there's a, a little bowl of various fruits and other types of food and they're just kind of relaxing which is not something you see too often uh, in this story and ian says to his dad steve do you miss your old life back home you don't talk about it but it must be hard to have it all just go away one day. My father once told me to never waste time thinking about what you don't have, but to focus on what you do and what you can do with it. And the name of this story, Bob, is Ashes of Our Fathers. This small moment of solitude with you, the setting suns, light dancing off the river after a simple day of farming. I'm as happy as I could be, Ian. You've never mentioned him before. What was your dad like? Steve pauses for a moment. He was crushed by the weight of hard times, but he was a good man. My time raising you, I see that more and more. Being a father to you, it's exposed so many memories. It helps me to better understand the pressure my father was under. He loved us, but his inability to provide during some hard years, it robbed him of his pride and eventually his hope. He just couldn't stand back up. He was drinking, escaping what he saw as a hopeless situation that the only way he could. Over time, he just disappeared. Do, do you, you ever worry that could happen to you? That you could lose hope? That you could disappear? I spent my life running so hard away from his shadow, trying to be strong in every way he was weak. I did disappear. Became a slave to an ideal. Disappeared into duty. And instead of abusing those I loved, I was entirely unavailable to them. But that's done. I'm always going to be here for you, Ian. I'll never let anything come between us. I'll never disappear on you. And now we cut two years to present time to Zelandia. And it's the middle of night and we're at the, the capital where Zola's fortress is. And we see some of the mutates. They are running up looking for Princess Jet Black. Princess Jet, we endangered, we breached. Get ready for the danger, and hunger for blood. Aided flesh form entered holy temple for your revenge. Prepare for the the murder times. Lord Zola say this is um, the day of journey. He risk no more. We go for giving of gifts. All the times of power. Prepare itself, Princess. We are besieged. Come, Princess. No! And then, out of nowhere, we see Cap, with his shield, decapitate the mutate. Zola's creations. Not living things. Evil things. Evil things between me and my son. Evil but well-built. That one almost had me. Can't take much more. Body is done. Nearing total collapse chest heaves and somewhere in the background i hear him zola and he grabs his chest and he he shrugs and screams in pain flushed with anxiety muscle spasm past exhaustion adrenaline reserves gone 
And then he pulls out that bullet, Bob. Do you remember that bullet from, from I think it was issue two or three? Right. Yeah. Right. The one with diligence on it. Yeah. And he looks at that and then he puts it back away. Stand up. You always stand up. And then we cut to Zola, who is on a monitor talking with his daughter, Jet Black. Where are you now? In my room. Rogers lacked the nerve to kill me when he had the chance. Again. Beware, father. He's in Tower Zolandia, and he's after Ian. Leopold, dear girl. The boy's name is Leopold, and Rogers is far, far too late. I actually preferred to let him find the boy. Salt on the wound. Be aware, dear, I am moving forward the plan. The expansion? Now? I will not risk Herr Rogers upsetting things, as he has countless times before. Do we have enough mutates? I will harvest all the bioclay needed to round out the horde. Within the hour, my mutate militia will be ample for the expansion. Why waste the energy? We have all we need. Rejoice, my beloved daughter. The first kingdom is now. Earth will be yours. For Zola will be humanity. And then we cut to Steve Rogers uh, climbing up a cliff. Your lab is at the top of the tower, Zola. I remember that much. Where I took Ian from you all those years ago. Not took saved know enough about you to know no second guessing that not anymore your mutates will have found jet you'll be expecting me expecting a fight a fight i don't have to give but i will get ian out of this madhouse somehow i'll get that much done and he's on the outside of a building on the ledge of a window and he reaches into uh, his pouch and he grabs a little grappling hook and a cable. Very Batman-like. Uh-huh, there's the pouch, Rick. For all you pouch haters out there. What else do you think he's down there, Bob? <laughs> well, it, you know, the pouches are a constant source of debate in the Facebook group, Rick. What does Cap keep in the pouch? Why does he have pouches? I don't like pouches. Y'all like pouches? You like pouches? I don't have, I, you know what? I don't have a, a dog in this fight. I could care less one way or the other. As long as they, they're they they're subtle. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. As long as it's not like, you know, he's got a, a gondolier or whatever they call him. Uh, right. Crisscross in his chest, you know? I mean. Right, right. Uh, a bandolier? Bandolier, sorry. Yeah. A gondolier. Gondolier. <laughs> oh, so love you. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> as long as he's not carrying around a gondolier, Bob, you I know, can't stand those. There aren't that many examples, I think, in Capped Comics where he actually uses something in one of his pouches. Uh -huh. Right. I mean, we've we've had this discussion a lot in the group, and people are like trying to like come up with examples of like when does he actually pull something out of a pouch? And here we have it. And it's a grappling hook and a cable so it's right. important stuff it's useful. yeah yeah right so he's there and he's got his left hand and he's twirling the grappling hook to to throw it up the side of the building so he can climb up the side of the building and he continues his thought about ian get him home home to the peace of the dream i fought so hard for home to his peace of normalcy home to and then we cut to inside the building on the other side of the glass where he's standing and he's twirling. And we see a Captain Zolandia, the, the big mutate with the, with the buzz saws, coming, running from the other side. And he, next panel, bursts through the glass with a big loud noise, Bob. <laughs> And Cap puts his shield up just the right time uh, as his fists and his jagged uh, shield comes at Cap's head. But he's flying backwards. You know, he just climbed up the cliff, Bob, and now he's getting thrust backwards. It's a video game, man. And he's 
totally out out in the air. Like he's he's not gonna be able to grab anything. No. Yeah. I and mean, he's he's like the wild e coyote. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and right, he's yeah. out in the middle of space and there's only one way to go. You can hear though. He went ballistic. I can't even whistle. I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dry. I'm dry over here. Like that? Yeah. He's got okay. that. Yeah. Got it. Uh, so they're falling into um, uh, it looks like a, a glass window ceiling on the next level and crash through that, Bob. And then they go into the inner city and Cap's like, son of a, and he kicks away the, the, uh, the mutate and then the mutate falls onto some spikes and uh, which looks like it kills them. And that makes a loud noise too. Oh, I'm sorry. And then cap bounces off of his shield. So he's okay, but he bounces a couple of times because it was a, a hard, hard hit. Lungs refuse to take air. Freshly torn rotator cuff. Ignore it. Stand up. Save your boy. Now we get to this next page and it is a really cool page, Bob. It's like a double page splash. Yeah. And the the double page, it it's essentially um like when I it's a half splash that goes completely across two panels, right? So that's the top half. And then the bottom half. There's a middle panel that goes from left to right all the way across. And then underneath that, there are four more panels. It's a really impressive layout. I, I think it's a cool layout because it really shows and demonstrates this long bridge that Cap's walking out onto. And and boy, is this reminiscent of uh, Captain America, yeah. you know, the first Avenger sure when, he, when he's standing there and on the other side of the bridge is, is the red skull. Yeah. I thought of that as well. And then below this, below this bridge is a bubbling cauldron, you know, right. As there was fire in the first Avenger. Yeah. And which I think that movie came out just a couple of years before this comic. So mm -hmm. um, who knows if uh, John Romero Jr. Kind of, you know, went with that or, or maybe even if, if Rick Remender, you know, wrote that into the story. Uh, but on the uh, top of the panel, you see all these different huge life-size test tubes with some are empty and some have um, the frocks in them. And it's the female frocks. Remember they killed all the men and, and took the women for breeding. So uh, that is, is the layout of, of the, the page which is again pretty impressive and then we hear jet black on the other side now she's can you describe what she's wearing bob yeah last she, time we saw her she was just wearing a towel yeah right she was tied up on the floor on her knees uh the way steve rogers had left her and the mutates had found her but now she's back into her uh <clears throat> Well, let's just say what it is. It's a very skimpy uh, outfit that consists of uh, sort of something that wraps around her, you know, her her breasts and something around her midsection, her 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 waist, and then black gloves, and then she has these black straps around her upper arms and her calves and her upper thighs, and all of them are connected by these very thin black. Uh, pieces that run vertical and and that head headdress that uh, again her princess headdress it's somewhat reminiscent of, of loki's uh headgear and remember this is her uh, she has omni sense so mm -hmm. uh, she through her skin she is able to detect uh, all 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 these different uh, uh sense use all the different senses and in, in, you know, with high high fidelity and so this allows her to uh, to focus that uh, her omni senses and make use of them uh, did you did you mention it was skin tight? I I don't remember. Um, I did in my head. Repeatedly, yes. <laughs> so she says to to Cap, "I can see how difficult this is for you, so lost in your own misguided sense of righteousness, 
You truly believe you saved my brother from some evil fate when you stole him away from us. Perhaps you'd hoped that I'd be sparing Perhaps you hoped that by sparing me, I'd be converted to your befuddled perception of things. Perhaps you imagined that I would allow you to abscond in the night with my brother again. Whatever your motivations, you should have killed me. I don't kill the helpless to get what I want, especially the weak-minded. That's a major difference between your father and me. The real question is, would you have? I am my father's daughter. I am jet black, named for the status of my heart. It protects me from the evil brought about by weakness. What good is the love of a soft heart when I have the ability to heighten any one of my useful senses to an infinite degree? Hearing, for example, your heart straining, your lungs wheezing, your fatigue, your fear. And she uses uh, the staff that she holds and there's an electrical ray that fires out that cap blocks with his shield. So you can hear the frocks in their pens. These terrified innocents preparing for a meaningless death. Can you hear their fear? Can you allow these innocent creatures to suffer? For what? The future. And she fires at him again. And then she strikes at him, but he blocks it with his shield. The glorious expansion of Zola. I don't need the omniscience to hear the doubt in your voice. Damn it, listen to me. This is your final chance to do what is right. And she punches him in the face. But he punches her back. Help me save these frocks. Help me save Ian. Ian is not in danger. You are. And she knees him in the gut. But he takes her wrist and punches her in the face. Rusty Hinch, followed by a scream. And the one of the, the frocks, the tube opens up at the underneath where she's supposed to fall into that, that molten soup of some sort. and uh, But she's holding on for dear life and she's yelling out to him. No good way to do this. No choice. <clears throat> and he takes the grappling hook and then he jumps, swinging over to grab her. Mid-air, it hits me. The churning soup. The smell. It's them. The frocks. The weeping woman in my arms has been watching it. Watching her people drop down into the molten sludge. Waiting her turn. Okay, I've got you. You're okay. But he's just hanging there. He's got her in one arm and he's hanging on the, the, the cable uh, and uh, from the bridge and Jet Black is leaning over, looking down at the two of them. Pull us up before another one is dropped in, before another dies. Fool, why should I listen for a single moment? Your father kept you here, so you never had a chance to see compassion. It's not your fault what he's done. None of it. The nausea, the tightness in your chest, the sleepless nights. You know this is wrong. If you stand by and do nothing, you share the guilt. You've seen both options, Jet. So pick. What side do you choose? And so we see a panel of her just staring up close in her eyes. And we don't know how long that took. But she eventually, she grabs the cable and she pulls them up. And she says, Father, forgive me. I knew it. I knew you'd do the right thing. You knew nothing. My aid is a fine line. Walk it with care. Tell me, this nausea in my belly and this tightness in my chest, saving these frocks will cure it? It's called guilt. And yes, saving them is the only medicine. So then she taps onto her headset. Father, Shut down the biomass turbines. There is a jam in the belt, likely a ploy of the desperate frock's father. It doesn't matter. We have all the mutates we need. Find yourself someplace safe with a view. The Zolas are leaving Dimension Z. What is it? I am afraid it is too late for your world, Captain America. 
the expansion begins. For you see, this is not merely a city. It is a battle station Zola, an indomitable warcraft with a deadly cargo. The tremors you feel are long dormant thrusters igniting. The ancient home of Zola finally rises. Pushing us upward, pushing us up to fulfill Father's long and patient work. A city-sized bomb brimming with thousands of mutates. Thousands of mutates armed with hypodermic infection rifles, each containing the liquid consciousness of my father. A more potent liquid consciousness than you received upon your arrival here, Captain. He will invade your homeland. He will release his mutates. He will take control of thousands of high-value targets, super beings, world leaders, and the affluent. They will be caught unaware. They will be infected. They will be Zola. And so the whole time that she's talking, the 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 base is firing up and and going into the sky with these humongous fiery thrusters. How do we stop it? You don't. There's nothing we can do now but take the trip to Earth to try and warn your armies. The Avengers. There will still be some form of Avengers. I, I have to get in contact with Earth. Now. I have no such technology. Father's first targets will be your friends in the superhero armies. We follow the first mutate hordes released and take them down. Father will see his plot's main objective lost and he will retreat. That's not good enough. We have to get there first. Have to warn them. And he grabs his chest. Your chest. The Zola virus. You cut it out. Shut it up. For now, anyway. Still creeping. And he bends over in pain and blood. Trying to take me. Time is short. Gather your strength. I'll help you find Ian. Provided you promise to get him out of here. Remove him from this. I'll help save your home from my father. But you promised to give Ian a normal life. He is on level 77. His mind is being recalibrated. So you must hurry. I'll release the rest of the frocks and get them on an escape ship back to the surface. There it is, Rogers. A bed of hope. So stand up. Go get your boy. And he gets onto the, pulls himself up on the, using the, the side of, of the bridge. And he struggles to walk as he goes through the door to try to get to level 77. Hold him. Let him know he's safe. Let him know I'm getting him out of here. And then just then he yells out in pain as he's shot from behind, Bob, in this looks like a laser ray that just cuts through his flesh. You can actually see it burst out the other side. Yeah, it's a it's definitely a through wound. Yeah. Make him see I'll never disappear. And then we cut to the last page. And it's a full page splash. And it's Ian standing there with a gun with the Captain Zolandia behind him, just like on the cover, standing over Steve with smoke coming out of his wound. And he says, Hey, Dad, to what? be continued. God doggone it with the cliffhanger. I know. A lot of them end on a full-page splash. Have you noticed that? I do, yes. Yeah. yeah. They really suck in with those full-page uh, splashes. Yeah, and, it, you know, I mean, it's it's also to show the impact of whatever it is on, you know, mm -hmm. happening at the very end. Um, But, yeah, how about that? Yeah, that's some good stuff. So we got Jet Black turning on her dad, but Ian turning on steve crazy stuff going on in this book right back and forth back and forth twists and turns absolutely yeah. do, do you think do you think um jet black turned a little too quickly 
I, I, what do you mean by that? I mean, she's been thinking about this for a few issues, a couple issues, right? A few issues where she's been sort of wrestling with why Cap let her go when he she yeah, just it's true. the enemy, right? And she, she couldn't wrap her head around that. And so it's been weighing on her and he called it, right? I mean, he made a big gamble. I mean, he's he hanging did. there, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if she had made the other choice, I mean, no, I, I can't see how he would have gotten out of that one. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, so it was a big gamble, but he, he, he read her correctly that she had been wrestling with this and had the uneasy. And he might have, he might have gotten that impression from his second encounter with her mm-hmm. when she didn't immediately try to kill him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, what are your thoughts on this story? Well, I mean, I'm still loving it, Rick, right? This this is a particularly, I think, great issue, uh, particularly the writing. Um, those first few pages, uh, that conversation between uh, Ian and Steve about Steve's mm-hmm. dad, I think, were really powerful. I mean, you know, it's some of that writing where, oh, yeah, it's, it's Steve and his dad and Steve and Ian, but it's something like we can all sort of rest on and think about and apply in our own lives, which is a mark of really good writing. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, and, and, you know, I know early on we were not happy with seeing the version of Steve's dad that Rick Remender, you know, wrote into the story, you know, and he was uh, drunk and he was abusing, the you know, his, his mom. Um, but, but here I, I thought it was really interesting when, he says to to Ian, um, I spent my life running so hard away from his shadow, trying to be strong in every way he was weak. Right? Um, yeah. I don't know. That was deep for me. Right? Like, like some of the drive we've always attributed a lot of his drive to the positiveness of his mom. Right. Right. That she was, you know, she inspired him to be a good man. But here it's, I spent my life running so hard away from his shadow, trying to be strong in every way he was weak. So it almost, you know, part of it is Steve was inspired by his mom, but because of the things that he didn't like about his dad, he really focused on that and pushed for that. Yeah. Uh, I, I I found that interesting and I, I liked that. I do too. And, I, and there's a second like uh, the second part of that. And, and I think this, I think we can all identify with this, right? I mean, we all, we all see our fathers in a certain way when we're young. Um, but then when we, we get older, we become fathers. We often see our fathers in, in, a, in a different way or, yeah. you know, not in entirely. A, in a not, new light. In too. a new light, right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, we can appreciate things in a way that maybe we didn't understand when we were young, you know? And mm-hmm. I tell my son this all the time that, you know, and, and Casey, Casey does as well that, you know, he is seeing us grow up even as we watch him grow up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, but, but yeah, but you think about it though, you know, he's, he's not going to remember a lot of the stuff when you were younger. So you're saying that he's seeing you grow up, but how much of it, you know, when he, five, 10 years ago, is he going to remember that version of you? It, it's, it's, you know I mean? Think about of your own father, sure, right? Yeah. And, and you're lucky your father's still alive. Right. Right. So, you know, you, you, you've been around for 50 some years. Mm. How many versions of your dad do you remember? Or do you just kind of remember one overall version? You know, it's like, it's, it's different, right? Because you've right. seen him, like you don't spend a lot of time with him on a regular basis. So, yeah. you know, there's gaps, you know, like, I, I think, I think what I'm saying, Rick, is like when I was younger, I thought my dad had it all together. 
Mm-hmm. I thought my dad and my mom had it all together. I thought the relationship was great, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it was great, but it wasn't perfect the way that I saw it. Right. And, um, but it was, it, it, it wasn't like, you know, Mary, no, the Dick Van Dyke show, you know, uh, Sue and Rob and whatever, you know, but as you get older, you realize that relationships aren't like in the movies. They're not like in TV and they're not always like they're presented to you. Right. Mm-hmm. We all have doubts as we grow older. Right. I mean, they don't just go away when you turn 30 or 40 or become a, a parent. Right. right. In fact, they mm-hmm. sometimes get more complicated, you know, and I think, you know, Steve, Steve recognizes as he gets older, I think. And I think reflecting back on his dad, he, he, he probably was angry with his dad. He probably didn't understand why his dad was acting the way he was acting, you know, when he was a child. But as he gets older, he, he now understands that life can throw curveballs at you, can present you with situations that can wear at you and make you hopeless Mm-hmm. cause you to lash out in ways that you don't even understand. But that's something that comes with wisdom and maturity in life. And you see your parents in a different light as an older person than you do when you were younger. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, you, you, you may not appreciate or respect, but you can understand. Yeah, right? exactly. You right. know, you're like, yeah. okay, I understand why they did that, um, yeah. or, or or what have you. You know, once you you have a little bit more life experience yourself. Right. Um, there was a is a quote. I don't know if it's, is it um, Mark Twain. I, I'm going to get this wrong. I'm sure our listeners will probably let me know in the Facebook group. But um, he said something about, you know, when I was a child and I looked at my dad, he was the the strongest, smartest handsomest man, you know, uh, in the world. Yeah. And, um, then, you know, as I became a teenager, something happened to him. He, <laughs> right. He yeah. changed. He, he was, yeah. he was weak. He was stupid. He, yeah. he didn't, you know, whatever. Yeah. And then, and then when I got into my twenties, uh, something weird happened and my dad changed back to how he was. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, it's weird <laughs> how that happened. It's weird how that happened. You right. know? Yeah. Um, and obviously, you know, yeah. it was the it was the boy who was, sure. you know, going through yeah. motions and seeing his dad different ways. Right. So. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah. You know, like my dad, um, you know, he he passed away when I was uh, 23. Yeah. So um, I never. Like I was just on that cusp of being an adult relationship with my dad. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I had just mm-hmm. been out of college, maybe like two years. Um, I was engaged. Um, but you know, he died before my wedding, obviously died before my my kids were born and, and yeah. so on. Um, so I never had that, but certainly, you know, when I was reading this story, it did touch on me that yes, even though my dad had passed when I was raising my kids, uh it you know, I, I understood, I, I looked at him in, 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 you know, a new light. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's funny. I, um, you know, I, I like to think that I'm a pretty good dad and, and I put a lot of emphasis on, uh, being a dad and doing things, uh, for my kids. And I'm not going to go through all the everything and I'm not, going to hear to pat myself on the back or anything like that but i we're talking about it so i've just it's part of this but um i had a mentor uh who was was probably my dad's age um and i had um his name was lewis wonderful man um he passed you know maybe like five years ago but uh for about 10 years there he was he was there for me and, and a really tough time you know i was going through my divorce i was separated from my kids it was a really really tough time and then he had seen um that progress you know uh, as i got through through those times and one of the times that we were talking about being a dad and he said uh, it is he's he was such a smart man he could he could read people and he said well you're a good dad and at some point early in your informative years, you deep down had made a point that someday you were going to be a good dad and you worked at it. Hmm. And, and that's kind of what, what you became. 
yeah. because you made that decision early on in your life. And it was probably because I didn't have a great relationship with my dad. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to make sure that that was the opposite. And so when we see Steve here, you know, talk about how he disappeared and he became, you know, disappeared into his duty and he, and he didn't, you know, he said he didn't abuse the, the ones that he loved, but he was unavailable to them. And then he, he and and this was the perspective that he earned when he was being there as a father to Ian. It was a new perspective that he learned by being a father that, you know what, I'm I'm not going to let that happen again. I'm not going to just, you know, be absent to my loved ones and uh, and the people who care about me uh, and lose myself in duty. I'm going to be here for them. And so that was an awakening for Steve during this. And, and it's nice to see character development. Yeah. I mean, and obviously this is something that he, he, I mean, <laughs> this is something he's been wrestling with a very long time, right? This idea that he disappears into his duty and, uh, and makes himself unavailable. I mean, that was essentially right. I mean, sort of the, the excuse for the breakdown of his relationship with, uh, you know, following Bernie and the fact that he sort of threw himself back into his duty rather than deal with the pain of, of, of being in a relationship. So now Bob, it's, uh, I think I go first this time as far yeah. as favorite right. panel. Um, you're going to, you're going to, this is, this is going to blow your mind. Um, oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. Right. My favorite panel is on page seven, uh -huh. the last panel. That's the one where he's got the grappling hook and he's spinning it. Mm -hmm. That very last panel with that Captain Zulandi coming towards him, you know, like all of a sudden you look at the glass and the way it's drawn is really like you just, it's like, you know, shaded, right? Yeah. Um, so you, it's it's you really don't notice it too much. Like you see the reflection of Cap's wrist and and twirling the thing, but right. then kind of like out of nowhere, it's almost like a shark attacking. It's like you just right. you turn your head. And it's like whoa, yeah. it's there, yeah. and that's what happens here. Captain Zulandia is just running towards him. Uh, that I just thought was a really cool perspective and really well executed. Yeah, I love that because you know as you said, Cap has no idea he doesn't he doesn't see what we see he doesn't right. see captain zolandia running through him until it's too late until he comes crashing through that window smack dab into into his chest so mm -hmm. that's a that is a yeah that's a great great panel good choice good choice you. what's your I, favorite panel this I, story? i'm going with that one rip that we were just discussing on on page three the one but uh the one where he says uh about when he talks about disappearing into duty um, you know, and I love just sort of the composition of that, uh, of that panel was great. And, and as other ones before that, because they're, as you said, they're sitting there, it's almost like they're relaxing after, you know, mm -hmm. a day of, of harvesting the crops and they're just kind of kicking back. And, uh, you know, we see looking over Cap's right shoulder, uh, we see Ian and Ian sort of, you know, looking at, at his dad in a very sort of, curious manner and and steve's you know teaching him here he's he's giving him the wisdom of his age and, and i love that because uh i i will tell you i you know i mean hit, this one hits me personally for two reasons one is uh you know i love my dad and, and as you said i still have my dad with me and i talk to my dad you know once a week and um but i never had the sort of conversations with my dad that i have with my son mm -hmm. and you know right my son of course my son says you know yeah, you turn everything into a lesson, <laughs> right? Because uh, I'm a lot like, you know, Steve in that way that uh -huh. I find a way to like pull a lesson from every experience, you know, and uh, whether he wants it or not. And this is what's going on here. Steve is giving Ian the benefit of hard won wisdom mm -hmm. uh, from the mistakes he's made in his own life. And this idea of becoming a slave to an ideal and disappearing into duty is something that I have been guilty of in my life and continue to be guilty of um, mm -hmm. often, you know, unconsciously. And I was just having this conversation with Casey, my wife, uh, actually yesterday, uh, Saturday, as we were driving back from, from um, the other coast, visiting some family, we were having this conversation about um, like this striking a balance between 
disappearing into your work or your duty or your sense of purpose and how that can detract from just enjoying the moment and mm -hmm. particularly with family and, and giving the time that's needed to, mm -hmm. to make your family strong. And so, you know, lots of people struggle with that. Lots of people wrestle with that in different ways. And I think this panel can speak to a lot of people. And, and that's why I think the writing was so great uh, and so great for cap, but also great for each of us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, I like that. Uh, it, I was, you know, thinking about uh, picking that same panel for a lot of the same reasons. Uh, it, it did touch on a lot of topics that we, we just covered, but um, yeah, great, great choice. Uh, what's going on your t-shirt? I'm going to go. Uh, I think it's, uh, it's, it's the following page from the panel you just selected. I think that is that page nine, the page nine. And um, it's, it's the one where cap that, that, you know, quarter splash there where cap kicks off uh, ca uh, captain Zolandi's uh, buzzsaw in yeah. order to get some separation. And you hear twing. As he yeah. kicks off the shield, I I think that'd be great on a on a t-shirt. Interesting. Okay. Well, guess what, Bob? What? Uh, I'm doing the same page, but I am doing the the bottom three panels. So the part where he lands and bounces. Yeah. And then the next two panels, and it, I, I I want that whole section okay on, on, across my chest because that's so cool. You know, you see cap you know getting defeated and just looking like he's being defeated actually and and then talks about you know his lungs refuse to do this and and you know, he's got a torn rotator cuff but what does he say ignore it stand up i want that on a t-shirt bob yeah that's a good selection i like that good choice thank you good choice i, I think this is gonna be a tough one rick but I, I do you have a time capsule for this issue uh, it is, it is a tough one, Bob. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm going to go. All right. I, I, I'm, I'm pulling this one out of my butt, but I all think right. I'm going to go with page 13 and I'm going to go with the bottom half, those three panels where jet black is looking and then she grabs the cable uh-huh and she pulls starts pulling up cap okay and the reason it's going into my time capsule is because this is the very first time it's monumental that jet black did something positive and altruistic mm, excellent she's showing you know that she's not truly evil and perhaps maybe she she has uh you know a little goodness in her yeah i like that all right is that time capsule worthy i, I think that's time capsule worthy i'll, I'll i will accept it thank you <laughs> what what do you got i'm gonna go with that that panel um where he pulls <laughs> page page maybe it's page seven um i don't know where he pulls the grappling hook and and cable out of his pouch okay <laughs> <laughs> because you know again I'm a pouch guy. I like pouches. Uh -huh. And uh, lots of folks think that's a throwback to World War II. You know, he only wore those in World War II because, you know, he, he would have to carry, you know, World War II rations. Stuff. <laughs> right. Stuff like that. But there's all kinds of stuff you can carry in pouches. So right here, we see that it is shark uh, repellent, shark repellent, mints, band-aids. Yeah. Right. If all kinds was, of stuff. If it was Blistex, <laughs> he would have chapstick. That's right. You know, so I think this once and for all, you know, puts the nail in the coffin of this argument that cap can use pouches uh, uh, and has good reason to. So. Excellent. All right. Yeah. Well, that's a good choice for the time capsule. All right, Bob. So we are going to go into the way back machine next episode. We're going to go into 1972. That's like, 51 years ago, Bob. Yeah, right. We're going to go do Captain America 151 and 152. And this is a uh, two-part story that is written by Jerry Conway, uh, art by Sal Basima. Mm -hmm. And it is the last two issues 
prior to Steve Englehart taking over Cap with his uh, unforgettable 1950s Cap storyline and then his long run. So this is this is the last two issues before that, and it stars uh, Mr. Hyde and Scorpion as they kidnap Sharon Carter. And it's up to Captain America and the Falcon to rescue her. All right. This seems like a, sounds like a classic tale. It is indeed. So come back for that. But you know what? Before you do that, before you come back for next episode for, for 151, 152, you might want to check out episode 81 because there we cover 149 and 150. So if you want to get a flavor mm -hmm. for what's going on in Cap and books, check out episode 81 and then come back here. And then it's like, you never left. <laughs> it's like you never left. You're still with us. Exactly. <laughs> All right, Bob. Well, it has been so much fun wrapping cap with you. It has. I can't wait till next week, Rick. Excellent. All right. Well, he's Bob Lucius. I'm Rick Verbonis. You have been listening to another episode of the Captain America comic book fans podcast. <laughs> Thank you.